Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. That's right. Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. Richard, week seven is upon us, and I don't care. I know. I don't care anymore. Welcome to the Asylum mid-season reset show. Hard reset. Yeah, we're going to reset. Everything you thought about fantasy football at the start of the 2016 season. Because it was wrong. It was mostly, yeah. Flat smack wrong. I've, I feel like we say this every year that this is the most unpredictable year we've ever seen, Rick, but this, this one takes the cake. It really does. I just want to get uh, a game ball out of the way. Oh, okay. And. Uh, Ajayi. A minute six into the show, I figured Ajayi. you'd have 12 in by now. Ajayi. Yeah, raise your hand if you saw that one coming. Ajayi. Ajayi. Yeah. You, you good now? Ajayi. Yeah. Getting there. <laughs> Getting there. Unbelievable. Ajayi. <laughs> That's your boy, Rick. You've been waiting for it all year. You've been begging for it. The question is, you believe it? You know, this is going to be the whole show today. No, how can you believe it? I mean, they can't beat anybody until they play the NFL's one of the top three offensive juggernauts legs shut them down, run over them like peewee football. Yeah. And they'll go back to their losing ways this week, I am sure. They're, well, yeah, they're at home against, what, Buffalo? I can't I have to pull up the schedule here. Yes, they're at home against Buffalo. Yeah. Look, I don't buy into the team whatsoever, but – is he going to run over Buffalo? No, he's not going to run. He's not going to run for two hundred again. I would. T- I would venture to say, even though we're probably not even qualified to make predictions no, anymore, no. I would bench him going at, against Buffalo this week. You'd bench. Everybody well, is roaring to get on. Yeah, yeah. On his bandwagon. Yeah, I understand and that. Ajayi. We, we needs know to who be we're on the bench. About. Probably. I, I, because number one, you have to have a couple of backs on your squad, probably that you know you drafted ahead of him. Oh, it was or, a or rare team sure. that had Ajayi in the starting lineup last week. Now, all that being said, I do find it intriguing. I agree with what you said, and I wouldn't spend all my free agent dollars on an Ajayi. I wouldn't you know, rush to get him in my lineup this week. But there's got to be something intriguing there, at least in terms of opportunity. Finally, finally, after five terrible games in the sixth game, they make a conscious decision to run the ball. They have some success, 
and Ryan Tannehill wasn't given the opportunity to just gag that game away like he's done with every other game they played. You almost, I don't know what he's going to do with it. I'm, I'm done with the Arian Foster nonsense. I know they eased him back in last week. He may be in on passing downs, but we, we talked a lot in the preseason, Rick, how we thought Arian Foster would, would get in there. We'd do Arian Foster things for a while, but, of course, he didn't make it three-quarters of a game before he went down with a significant injury. It'll happen again. They've landed on Ajayi finally instead of giving it to eight different guys, an eight-headed monster, having working one or two running backs at a reasonable pace. Why wouldn't you take the ball out of the hands of that loser Ryan Tannehill and try to run it? Are we going to get 200 again? No. Could he average four and a half yards a carry? I think he could going forward. I, I just have a feeling that Rex is going to stick eight in well, the box. Well, Buffalo's and, a different story. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, they can't play Pittsburgh every week. I bet they wish they could. Oh, yeah. I mean, who who wouldn't, right, at this point? You know, Ben Ross. I mean, how badly are the New England Patriots salivating right about now? Oh, it's – I the I set the score right now conservatively, quite literally, at 53-7. to 7. Because this is the kind of game Belichick and Brady are going to want to go in and make a statement, right? And, and here's their opportunity with no chance to keep it up whatsoever. Absolutely not. I, I honestly believe this could be a 53-7 to 7 type of game. If you can even get to 53. I don't know how that math I mean, I, works. I can see like 38-10, something like that. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't. I think it's all predicated on how. Can we get there? You can. That would be seven touchdowns. That would give you 49 and two safeties. Oh, I like it. Of course, it. you seven can get touchdown. to 53. <laughs> well, no, I want to know how easily. You can get seven touchdowns, two safeties. That's what he just said. Well, I know, and I'm oh. repeating that. You, you could get seven touchdowns, but yet you could have um, four of them with two-point conversions. I'd like okay? to see that. I'd watch that game. Yeah, it's four extra points, Christian, okay? <laughs> Jeez. So that'd be <laughs> – This is what I'm dealing with, folks. <laughs> so give me a give me a calculator, somebody. Give me a calculator. We're gonna figure that. We're gonna hash this out. The entire remaining first segment is going to be interesting ways to get to fifty three. Yeah. Now, if you got to forty two, well, New England could probably find many interesting ways against Pittsburgh to get to fifty three. So it could be six touchdowns, three field goals, and a safety. You could do it that way too. That is a good math right there, Rick. You're impressed by that as the, the numbers guy on the show. Well, yeah, I, w- I was totally <laughs> impressed, as you can tell. I'm at a loss of words. I'm so <laughs> impressed. Yeah, but, but back to this Ben Roethlisberger. I'll tell you, Rick, this could be an entire show, quite frankly. Not number one, when it initially happened and went after the MRI in the, on Monday and the procedure on. Did he have the procedure Monday or Tuesday? I can't remember. And it was going to be, well, he's obviously going to be out this week. Then we have the bye week, and then he's we're cautiously optimistic for Baltimore. Now the, his doctor or the representative of his doctor weeks. said it could be six to eight. I've seen that Rooney says it could be two to eight. We we just have absolutely no idea. So this could quite frankly be no deal because if he only misses the New England game, this is a game the Steelers are going to lose anyhow. Hayward's still out. Shazier can't get healthy. So this would be a good one just to punt this one. Take your beating, get the bye, reset. They already have, pal. Well, I understand <laughs> that. I understand that. This division is terrible and we move forward. As a Steeler fan, if he's out six to eight weeks, the season's over, number one. As an Antonio Brown owner, your season's in a whole hell of a lot of trouble as well. 
Let, let, let's look at it from the fantasy standpoint. Obviously, it does what it does to Ben Roethlisberger owners. But this – I mean, Sammy Coach, you might as well cut him or stash him away because he's absolutely done until Roethlisberger gets back. Jesse James, I don't know. I saw you wrote in your piece for the Fantasy Greek that you thought this could be a, a, a little bit of a boost for him. I don't know how I feel about that. Antonio Brown is now a six-catch-for-60-yard type of, type of receiver, and you're hoping for getting in the end zone. Well, the He's play- still going to be the focal point of the off-passing game, but – Landry Jones can't get the damn ball over the line of scrimmage. Le'Veon Bell, I think even he's going to be limited in production, but he's still Le'Veon Bell, and he's the only one left playable on this team right now. Well, Antonio Brown's going to be playable. Um, I, I think Jesse James is intriguing because even Landry Jones will have a safety valve here and there. It's going to be either Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, or Jesse James. It's not Marcus Wheaton. It's not Sammy Coates, Eli Rogers, et cetera, et cetera. You're right. I mean, all those guys, you might as well cut off your team. Right. The the ceiling for Antonio Brown has come way down. Le'Veon Bell, to me, I'm not sure. I think, I think you almost have to have less expectations because, let's face it, that offense is not nearly dynamic without Ben in there. But it is Le'Veon Bell, so at least you have a good RB1. Yeah, I think James, like I said, is intriguing. Are you going to get huge numbers? No. But I think he's going to be serviceable. James? Yeah, I mean, he's going to be fine if he's going to complete any passes. The real question is I have for the Steelers, and I know the Rooney family are big listeners of the show. Yeah. How, after all this point, knowing Ben Roethlisberger's injury history, have you not addressed the backup quarterback position better than Landry Jones? Why won't they quit Landry Jones? I I don't understand it. Well, I have another question, Rick. Excuse me. Um. Jimmy Garoppolo has sat behind Tom Brady for how many years? Three? I think three. That's three or four, about something right. like yeah. that. So a significant amount. Landry Jones is 27 years old, so he's like in his, what, about fifth year, something like that. When Brady was suspended, Garoppolo comes in and looks like the quarterback in charge ran the offense. They were trucking people until he got injured. And then, oh, by the way, they won again with Brissett. Right? Right. Landry Jones looks like he never played before. No, he's exactly. He's 27 years old. Who's developing these quarterbacks? And he's played significant minutes, especially last year. You get beat out by a Mike Vick right. who literally couldn't throw the ball seven yards down the field all of a sudden. Yeah, he played At least to a receiver. Right. Well, yeah, he could, he could find uh, defenders pretty well. True. But, yeah, I don't, I don't understand how you don't address this. Look, this is Ben Roethlisberger. We talked about it in the preseason. We expected him to put up on a week-to-week basis the type of numbers to be a number one, the number one overall fantasy quarterback, which I think he's done. But we all, we both said, and that was when we did our predictions for the season, if he plays 13 or more, the Steelers win this division easily. If he plays less than 13 games, they're in trouble. And here we go, meeting expectations again. Yep. He's not going to play 13 games this year. No, and it shouldn't be that way on a team. And and there's far too many teams in the NFL in that position. I mean, you look at Carolina, they're they're probably okay with Derrick Anderson, even though that team is a total wreck. They can't win with any quarterback, it seems like. But you look at just about every other team. Who's the backup to Blake Bortles? Who's the backup to Henny? Oh, these are rhetorical questions. Well, I mean, aren't they? but oh. but you're right. Okay, I mean, Henny. 
I'm not so sure they're not in better hands with Chad Henney than Pittsburgh is with Landry Jones. I'd take one of those McCowns right now. I'd be oh, yeah. happy to have. <laughs> exactly. There's no <clears throat> doubt about it. There's that. like, what, seven or eight different McCowns running yeah. around. You think there'd be Gabbert, one? Gabbert, Kaepernick. That, I mean, that's my point. Is, Can Charlie Batch still throw a football? Oh, yeah. I mean, Back I, in the Charlie Batch days, they'd go 500 with a guy like him. Yeah. But but something you said, so we agree everybody else is out, your coach, your Wheatons. Jesse James will be what he is. That's fine. Le'Veon Bell, I think he'll be fine. His catches probably go down. His yards per carry may go down. He's still Le'Veon Bell, and he's going to be the focal point. He might touch the ball on 60% of their offensive snaps with what Ben Roethlisberger, without Ben Roethlisberger. What I'm curious about, you said you've got to, and you think we, you have to start Antonio Brown every week, right? I, That's I, what you I said. You, you have, have no to. choice. You have He's to, He's the right? number one pick overall in the league. At least he was a first-rounder, <laughs> period, right. okay? He was somebody's first pick. And he's going to get his targets. I mean, even if it's garbage time. He's going to get his targets. I think you have still have to start Antonio Brown. All right, last I, season, Rick. Last I season. I know that. Last season, Antonio Brown played five full games without Ben Roethlisberger. Let's play a I guessing game. His targets were in single digits, as I, as I wrote. Over, over or under negative one, how many touchdowns did Antonio Brown have? Slightly over, he had a goose yeah. egg. Zippy, zilch, nada, zero. And this is very prescient of me because I hadn't looked this up. I told you he was a six-catch-for-60-yard type of guy. What he averaged, 6.2 catches, 68 yards I a know. game. That I'm sorry, that's not an every-week start to me. That, that is not an every-week start. That's that's Jeremy Macklin, Mike Wallace, Jordan Matthews territory is where that's at, and those aren't every-week starts. We answer questions about those donkeys every single Sunday morning. Point is... You're going to have to start him because you probably you probably don't have. It depends on, I guess, the depth of your leg. Like we start three wide receivers. You probably don't have three wide receivers you're comfortable with starting over the potential of Antonio Brown, even with Landry it, Jones that, in there. That's my. That's where my quibble comes with you. Now, what do I agree with? You may not have any anybody better, but you could have a. Who could you have on your bench? A Sterling Shepard. Uh, I think Jordan Matthews is a good example because he's not a lockdown every week start now. There are guys out there you could have a little deeper on your bench. Uh, Stephon Diggs might be a little too high up. But you know what realm I'm living in. You talk about the potential of Antonio Brown. See, I don't think the potential is there. That's my argument. If they throw the ball his way, we know he's going to make the play. I don't think the potential is there. Okay, who who do you start as of right now, okay, okay this I, week, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you. I'm a I'm a listener and I'm right. sending you a question. All right, well you know I'm gonna botch it. Dear Rick Fligger, I am in a full point PPR fantasy football league. Keep it short, dummy. Let's go. <laughs> okay, full point PPR. We'll just do it that way. Antonio Brown. Okay. Jeremy Macklin. For me, that's a 50-50. So I'm going to go Antonio Brown just for that reason. But that's a coin flip to me. That's where I put. That's where I put Antonio Brown right now. But he's a six-yard. Yeah, so is Jeremy Macklin. No, he's not. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Jeremy Macklin has 23 catches through six games. Okay. That's less than four a game. All right. He has 293 yards. That's not even 50 yards a game. But that, that similar yardage numbers to what Antonio Brown Rashard puts up. Rashard Matthews. 
Now I'm not messing with the Titans. I'll stick with Antonio there. Okay. Um, Pierre Garçon. That's an intriguing one. Jameson Crowder, I'd play over Antonio Brown. Probably not Pierre Garçon, but Jameson Crowder, I would. Um, Randall Cobb. Cobb's intriguing to me. As bad as that that uh, Green Bay offense has been, and I think we're going to spend a lot of time on that okay. here later in the show. Here's, here's one close to home, pal. Allen Robinson. Ugh, I'm playing Allen Robinson over him. Though. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, see, I mean, he's not averaging six catches a game. He's averaging four. But he has a potential from a yardage standpoint, getting in the end zone. This Steelers team, Rick, isn't going to get in the end zone. Don't remind me of that. First of all, it hurts. But he's been targeted several times in the end zone, and your boy, not him, Blake Bortles, (laughs) can't get the ball to him. Yeah, I tell you what, we talked uh, before we came on the air. I I own a lot of stock in, in Blake Bortles, and the only reason I'm still keeping this cat is because they're playing Oakland this week <laughs> in Jacksonville. And, and Oakland, like you said, happily gives up 30, 35 oh, points a week. It's their favorite thing to do. Yeah, Blake it's, Bortles, it's if, if he doesn't score 30 points this week, fantasy points, I mean, dump him. No, they're, right. not, they're not going to score. And you may want to after this game anyhow. Here's my point. As I sit down and I picture – what Antonio Brown does and where he puts together his gaudy stats. Rick, do you see ever see him running 40 yards downfield? No, which is why you would think at 27 years old, Landry Jones might figure out that okay. you can complete a pass across the middle. I understand that. But number one, he's not – so there, there's my first point. Number one, he's not good enough to make that tough throw over the middle, right? We can agree on that. Number two, it seems to me, and I don't have any – the stats probably exist – and I'm way too lazy and way too dumb to go out and find them. We but have it, a producer that can do that. And he's neither lazy nor dumb. And he brings beer. So. That's true. And he makes good trades yeah. while drinking beer. So, so think about that, Calvin, although it'll be irrelevant by the three weeks by the time he comes up with it. But, but just think about it. I test, Rick. Where does most of this yardage come from? That back shoulder throw, right? This is where Antonio Brown makes his bones. You trust Landry Jones to make that throw? I don't trust him to make anything. That's the point. I, I agree. This is why Antonio Brown – I agree with you. You probably don't have anybody in your bench the realm of even the people we brought up, a Jeremy Just a Mack. caliber of player that Antonio Brown is, I don't want to have him on my bench, at least, at least the first week. I mean, I want to give a little litmus test here to what they can do. I mean, if they go out and, and even if it's garbage time, dink and dunk, and he gets 10 catches for even 98 yards and maybe even a garbage time touchdown against New England, I don't want him on the bench for that. No, well, I, 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 I have agree. To see, I have to see it again, I guess. Maybe I'm just stubborn. Well, there's just no question about that. <laughs> well, well, That's yeah. like maybe saying, maybe I'm on the show right now. <laughs> maybe I'm stubborn. That's the dumbest thing you've ever said. And that's saying something on this uh, show. But please finish your point. Yeah, I forget what it was. <laughs> Other than the fact that I might be stubborn. You know, I, I do. I want to see him fail abysmally before I bench him. I mean, because he is arguably the best wide receiver in the league. Period. I don't even think it's arguably. Well, I mean, you know, you can go, well... Odell Beckham, if he had been, or you know, Julio Jones, whatever. You know, I mean, you can say arguably, but yeah, he's the best wide receiver in the league. I right. don't want him on the bench until I can see Landry Jones actually 
can't see an open receiver, and if he does, he can't hit him. I want to see that first. Let me ask you what may sound like a really dumb question, but I think it illustrates the point. Let's just say it's like one of those weird circumstances. You know how like in hockey sometimes both goalies will get hurt and they'll pull somebody out of the stands? Let's say I was playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. Would you still play Antonio Brown? Yeah. See, I, that's the problem. And that's where you're stubborn and, and it invalidates anything you've said up until this point. Because no, I honestly believe you'd still play him if I was playing quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers this well, it's week. It's just that I have such a magnificent respect for well, your see, physique. Now you lie, you lie, you're lying again. <laughs> this is what you do. You get on these airwaves and you lie to our listeners over and over again. So, well, are you going to play in pro- – but here's what I promise you, Rick, on Sunday, if I agree to answer questions Sunday, which I may not, because I just – the way this year's going, I don't feel qualified to answer questions at this point. However, we're going to get a bunch of Antonio Brown questions, and you and I, I think, are going to de- disagree on a lot of them, on quite a few of them. That's very possible. But you know what? This is the midseason fantasy reset show right here in the Arena Sports Network. And I think it would probably – be a good place to start the reset show is what our current yeah, just say top five rankings are right now after week seven or after week six going into week seven of say quarterbacks running back whatever position you feel more comfortable with first all right so you just want to rank them by position all right we, yeah we can do that okay and, and i don't remember the exact <laughs> ones before the season, but I know it wasn't this five. This is my top five running backs right now, as I see them, in PPR leagues. David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Le'Veon Bell, DeMarco Murray, LaShawn McCoy, providing he's not seriously injured, which I did. I think we mentioned his hammy was tweaked in practice or after the game, and he was held out in practice. Yeah, I agree with that, Tough. We could maybe quibble on the order, but it doesn't right. matter. I'm not going to sit here and reorder them. So, you know, let, let's stay with the running backs. So, David Johnson, not a surprise. He, he was a first-round guy. I think I'm surprised how much better he is than everybody else, Rick. I find that a little what, – what's he up uh, – about an average of four points a game, a total of 18 fantasy points ahead of LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy's a bit of a surprise. I, I was getting back on the McCoy bandwagon you know, earlier, on, earlier on in the preseason than a lot of folks, but the way he's performed, the level to which this is LaShawn McCoy 2013 in Philadelphia all right. of a sudden, that I didn't see coming. Well, I know one that surprised you is DeMarco Murray because you were fully oh, loaded yeah. – that it was going to be a, at least a 50-50 split in Tennessee. I have cut DeMarco Murray, or, or I'm sorry, Derrick Henry from so many fantasy squads in the last two weeks because it's just not happening. And how could it? How much work can you give a Derrick Henry when DeMarco Murray is performing to the level that he right. is? Exactly. No doubt about it. I mean, let's let's look at some other surprises since, we're, since this is basically a midseason whine. Um, Melvin Gordon really doesn't surprise me. He was one of my undervalued players, you know, in the fantasy Greek draft guide. He doesn't really surprise me all that much. Yeah, maybe the seven touchdowns through yeah, six Yeah, that's games. a stunner considering he considering had hadn't the scored. same amount as you up until this season. Exactly. Um, Carlos Hyde, a bit of a surprise. No, not a bit of a surprise. That's an absolute stunner. Yeah. Now it looks like he's going to be out this week dealing with a shoulder injury. Exactly. Plus we got the whole Colin Kaepernick issue all of a sudden. But I want to hit on one right now, and 
once I hit on this guy, I'm going to – we have an interesting uh, trade discussion that I oh. want to talk to you All about. All right. Christine Michael. Never was a real believer in Christine Michael. Thought it was going to be the Thomas Rawls show. And, of course, he's been out. And now they've reported that it's still some weeks away before he returns. And quite frankly, doesn't really much matter to me if he comes back. I think Michael is the guy in Seattle right now. And that's a surprise to me from what I've seen him. I was not a Michael believer. Yeah, I mean, look, he's earned that role. He's averaging, you know, right around 17 fantasy points a game. And an offense that's sort of finally getting going. Look, I think Rawls will be a valuable piece if and when he gets back. Now, I guess Michael surprises me and he doesn't. And here's why. Because I was a big Rawls believer in the preseason, Rick. I think we talked about him a ton. But I think that vote of confidence for Thomas Rawls was more a vote of confidence for the Seattle running game. I think there's a lot of guys you could plug in that could have the same success level of Christian Michael. So that that would be my only concern there as we get into your trade talk with a Michael is could they, and I'm starting to lean towards maybe they could, have at least equal success with other folks there. And I kind of think they are. Again, why Michael hasn't surprised me is because he's doing what I thought Rawls would do, and it's not like he beat Rawls out. He got the job via injury. So that's what I expect from the Seattle running game. My question with Rawls is I don't know if he's ever going to completely come back healthy, which is why I would trust Michael going forward. Yeah, I mean, maybe next year. Right, right. Maybe Rawls gig, but I think 2016, quite frankly, at least in your fantasy season, probably belongs to Michael, which comes back to um, a question that I thought was quite interesting. A little trade offer, full point PPR league. Christine Michael and Mohamed Sanu for Calvin Benjamin. Yeah, and that, that's so intriguing. Because, look, Sanu's obviously a big downgrade from Benjamin. Well, certainly. But, but you yeah, factor in the Michael. What this becomes to me about is my concerns with a Kelvin Benjamin, right? He's bigger than everybody. He's faster than everybody. He has better hands than everybody. But they won't throw him the football. Specifically, Cam Newton won't throw him the football and really hasn't since that week one loss in in Denver where we all lit our hair on fire and said, holy crap, Kelvin Benjamin finally looks like that guy we thought he was going to be. So I like the Michael Sanu side. You could plug in and knowing knowing the team we're dealing with. Sanu plugs into a flex spot. They have the depth. uh, Why are we playing the game? You have the depth at the wide receiver position to plug them in, and you so upgrade that running back position it's a move i make very simply and it's all about the kelvin it's all about cam newton. this trade even though he's not involved becomes all about cam newton for me it, it is exactly it and if you uh keep listening to the arena sports network you'll listen to the arena sports moment and it has a lot to do with cam newton but in the short time Derek anderson was in the game now he didn't play particularly that well no, it was terrible in carolina is horrible yeah he had a, yeah he played terrible and he has a four point qbr rating worse than cam newton okay but he was actually f- so force feeding calvin benjamin he was making bad throws whereas cam newton ignores him and tries to make the run right which to me is i mean both are bad which is why they're one and five but you know they i don't know what the problem is this guy this guy's six foot five 245 pounds with great hands 
He shouldn't be that hard to hit now and again. <laughs> You'd think. Yeah, there's a pretty big halo. You know, they yeah. talk coaches talk about that halo around a receiver, and you put and it in the halo, and he's going to make the play. And for that's you. one thing that you don't seem to see with Cam Newton or Derek Anderson is you don't see the ball coming in high, right? Where he can actually use that six foot five, two hundred forty five pound frame advantageously against a guy's five eleven, two ten. Yeah, your tall corners are five eleven. Right. You don't see right. six three corners. But they do they throw these bullets down at his gut mm-hmm. and he's taking a hit or they're wrapping him up and risking the the uh, interference call, which they're not getting most of the time. No. And uh, it's just it's just poor quarterback play no, the whole way it. around that's on, on Carolina. I'll tell you what, Rick. We have got to take a break here. I want to continue the Cam Newton discussion. I want to continue my trepidation, and while I'm I'm really dropping Kelvin Benjamin in my rankings and in my mindset. So let's come back. Let's pick up on that. We'll keep whining. It's the midseason hard reset. Crying, whining, asylum fantasy show exclusively on the Arena Sports Network. Welcome back to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network. Rick, it is our mid-season wine session, the hard reset. Before we went to break, we were talking about Kelvin Benjamin and a deal. Did you make the deal? You made the deal, right? No more, I did make no the more deal. Kelvin, Kelvin Benjamin for your team. We got that weird hum coming out of the board here again, Rick. We apologize for that. There we go. We got it solved. I am the tech guy, Rick. I, I solve issues. I believe I make, our producer does all that. No, now. he drinks beer. No, it's Newt. He's uh, <laughs> Newt. <laughs> <laughs> yep. She we turned have, me into a newt. We hired newt <laughs> to take better. care I of I got that better. <laughs> Anyhow, Kelvin Benjamin. All right, here's the thing. He's got all the measurables. Imagine what Kelvin Benjamin Rick would do in New England, first of all. I like to think about things like that sometimes, or what a Ben Roethlisberger could do with him, things like that. Here's the issue with Kelvin Benjamin. We get, we get Kelvin Benjamin questions every week, and we always err on the side of Kelvin Benjamin. And it's never awful, right? Last week, 8 for 86. That's not terrible in a PPR league, but it's not Kelvin Benjamin numbers. It's not number one wide receiver numbers. 5 for 70, before that, 3 for 39. I believe the game before that was a game where they only targeted him once and he got as many fantasy points as you did that day. Yeah, exactly. Here's the problem with Kelvin. This isn't a Kelvin Benjamin problem. A lot of what you talked about was just a bad quarterback play. You know, Newt had written down during the break that, that his take on it was Cam Newton's a bad quarterback, which I like brief to the point. I agree with that. Here's the problem with Kelvin Benjamin, and I think we talked about this off air at some point. So when you look at that offense and the way it's constructed, everything goes through a Cam Newton. What's Cam Newton's first option all the time? Running. Cam Newton, right? Exactly. Cam Newton's his first option. That's the biggest problem with Carolina. you got to work the run game in. So, Jay Stu, Tolbert, Whitaker, you got all these pretty good to okay running backs. So, you want to run the ball. And Ron Rivera likes to run the ball, right? You so, there's an so. option. You've got one of the two or three best pass-catching tight ends in the game and Greg Olson. So, you're going to feed him a lot. And then three, four, five times a game, you have a guy with that blazing speed that a Ted Ginn has, you're going to take that shot down the field, right? So you're four or five of those a game. He's going to drop three of them, but once every month or two, he's going to pull one in (laughs) and score a big touchdown. 
That doesn't leave a lot even for a guy like Calvin Benjamin, which is why you see Calvin Benjamin's numbers bump a little bit, or at least his opportunities bump a little bit when you have a Derek Anderson because at least one of those options is taken away. With Cam Newton under center, I don't care what anybody says, Cam Newton's first option is always Cam Newton in one way or the other. And that's the problem with the team. I mean, I agree with everything you say. And you say it doesn't leave much for a Calvin Benjamin, which is mistake number one. Well, we don't disagree on that, but it's what's happening. It's what's happening, and it's going to have to end. Well, yeah, we can agree on that as well. Simple as that. It's going to have to end because this season's already in the tubes. I know how for, they feel for Carolina. And the problem with with this is they can still, of course, Atlanta's really making a statement right now. But you know. Typically, you would think, well, you know, they could still go on a four or five game win streak and get back into this thing. But I tell you what, the way Atlanta's playing, I think the season is down to twos. But Cam Newton is go is going to have to mature drastically for this thing to turn around. Yeah, I don't get. I feel like you know, after the Super Bowl and that hissy fit, I kind of defended him a little bit. It's right after a game. It's so raw. Yeah, there's lots of guys who do it so much better and handle that adversity better. But on a, yeah, it's been a bad run, but on a random regular season game to act as churlish as he did after, you know, and you'd think, all right, it's a bad game, but you're a millionaire. You look awesome in a fedora. You know what I mean? You think you could go up there <laughs> and, and just be an adult. And Al Pacino, <laughs> he's not. I'm sorry. I don't, he I, looks pretty good in a fedora. No, I'll because he was pouting. He didn't look. Well, that's my point. He still looked good. So no, imagine he if didn't. he had a no, he million didn't. dollar that's, smile. That's the whole point. He didn't even look distinguished. You think I could pull off he a fedora? He looked defeated up there. Oh, he's that defeated. Was, that was the problem. You can't wear a fedora if you're defeated. Think I could pull off a fedora? Yeah, maybe an army helmet. No, I don't want to do that. I don't think you could wear a fedora. No, I don't feel like I could. It just kind of sit on that old flat head of yours like Herman Munster. Yeah. I can never pull off wacky hats. I, I have I'm intrigued by well, wacky hats, they make but hats I can't pull round, them off. Your hair square. Well, even these ones, you think they'd look good with the, you know, the, all the, you know, I went out and bought the Maybe penguins. Maybe get a sock. The penguins championship hat. You know, they, they make them all with the big case. brim, flat brim now, and I don't look good in that. A pillowcase. My head's not that big. Well, you, yeah, it is. It's Once longer you, than it is wide. Well, yeah, I mean, that could be a whole other conversation. Though. It's it's like a log. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I agree with that. With ugly features. Well, no question about that, but a, a golden voice. Are we still talking about hats? I don't remember. <laughs> we can if you would like to. <laughs> oh. What hat do you want to wear on today's show? Yes, this is hat radio. I would like a paper bag, realistically. It's not a bad move. Now, this cat over here is the one that needs the paper bag. Way my You're team. not 0 and 6, I don't believe. Now he got his I'm like second. One and five. He got his no, second wind off of me. <laughs> yeah, this guy. I'm playing Newt last week. Finally, going to get off the Schneid with my team that in name looks really, really good. It's my, my team's like the Jacksonville Jaguars, right? On face value, name brand, it looks like we're going to be really good. This, so here's the recap of my season. I'm down 23 going into Sunday night. 
He's done, or I think he might have had your kicker left. Yeah, I've got T.Y. Hilton and Brandon Marshall still to go. I'm down 23. Yeah, I couldn't get there. <laughs> this is the kind of year it's been for me. I can't make up 23 between the number four overall fantasy wide receiver. Riggin, where's Brandon Marshall fall? He's probably down Way in the 20s. down there. Yeah, he's how far? Do, yeah, 22. That's a price. Still a number two wide receiver, and I can't swing 23 points there. So, well, in our midseason reset, I'm going to put a question to you. Who? Let's go with the running backs first. All right. Who are your biggest running back busts so far of 2016? Oh, you, Rick, you can give the, me a couple, two, three, whatever. There's so, so darn many of them. I, I don't even know where to be. I think Mark Ingram is somewhere you absolutely have to start. Okay. Now, this is a guy, I'm going to say this to maybe defend myself, is this is a, a self pity portion of, of the season. But to defend myself, I never got in, whipped into a frenzy with Mark Ingram, as so many folks have. And you always make the point with a guy like him, Rick, but, yeah, he's a number one running back. He gets all the work. But, number one, they don't run the ball. Number two, for whatever reason, Tavares Cadet's getting all this work. I think Mark Ingram, and not his lack of production when touching the ball is okay, but his inability to get on the field and get touches, you know, Mark Ingram was taken as a low-end number one running back, and you're getting absolutely zippy from him. Nothing. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Um you're right. They don't run the ball enough. Um, I mean, he's still putting up even reception numbers. He's got 18 receptions, 134 yards, and a touchdown. But the rushing yards aren't there, 272 yards, and it's too sporadic. It, it, back to the New Orleans thing. I mean, they're spreading, spreading it around with running backs now. I'll I tell you, my number one bust right now, Jeremy Hill. Yeah, I was I mean, just looking up his numbers. I'll let you carry that one. But he's completely disappeared. Well, he's disappeared. Giovanni Bernard, of course, is is still the most productive back on that team. 271 yards through, what, six games. You're averaging, what, 45 yards a game, I guess. That's something like that. One touchdown. He has four catches for the year. Of course, we know Bernard's a pass-catching guy, but he's doing nothing. Right. And, you know, and he'll pop his head up. And, and let's be honest, Rick, if you look back, and this is why I didn't – he was creeping back up boards. He didn't make – I don't remember what his ADP was, but he was probably still, what, a fifth, sixth-round ADP, which even seemed a little high because any production he had last year was in the end zone. He seemed to be getting in the end zone twice a week. He had a little stretch there. So at the end of the year, the numbers look good. But as the year went on from a week-to-week but setting, as, he crushed you. But as every year starts, and and you remember last year in 2015, I mean, I beat the Geo Bernard drum you did. over Jeremy Hill. And yet – and, and, and Hill, I mean, um, Bernard still was by far the more productive back. And still the controversy come 2006, Jeremy Hill, mm-hmm. Jeremy Hill. And he does nothing. And, and it's – I don't know what the problem is, quite frankly, but number two, it doesn't seem really to be working for Cincinnati in the long no, run. No, no. At all. No, I think they get caught in that trap that so many teams do now where they want to they want to throw that ball 45 times a game. Andy Dalton, he just ain't that guy. The running game is throwing the ball to Gio Bernard, which, you know, bully to Gio Bernard owners, I guess. 
But when they were good, really good two years ago, Rick, which was the last team I really thought had a legitimate shot to make a run in the playoffs, of course they gagged well, it away. this year when you picked them to go to the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, I, I might have missed on that one a little bit. I'm not giving up all hope, but I might have missed on that one a little bit. But two years ago, 2014, it was a steady diet of Jeremy Hill, and he put up those big numbers that got himself in this conversation we can't get him out of. And I, fr- frankly, they've gotten away from it. He's not going to bust out of this getting four, 12 carries no. a game, if he's even getting that. I don't know what his carry numbers are, but I'll tell you what, it can't be much over 10, 12 carries a game. No, it's certainly not. I mean, they pass the ball around a lot, and, of course, Bernard Hawks a few. But, I mean, you just look at his yardage totals during the year. His highest game so far this year is 97 yards. Of course, he had the two touchdowns against uh, Denver in a 29-17 loss. I mean, that wasn't even really a a game indicative of what he's been doing. In, In the victories that he's had, he's had 31 yards, 71 yards. Of course, they've only won two games. In other day, other games, he's had 22, 12, and 38. I mean, it is just gruesome. Yeah, that's a good word for well, it. Well, he's had fantasy points. He's had one game in double digits, fantasy points. And that was the two-touchdown game, I Exactly. Believe. And other than that, he's completely touchdown dependent and, frankly, just doesn't get there. You know, somebody would – did Eddie Lacy miss a game? I don't think he did, right? They've had a bye – but I don't think he's missed a game other than a bye, no. right? As I look at it right now, Eddie Lacy's sitting at 39th in fantasy scoring. I haven't felt like he was a bust. Maybe he didn't live up to 2014 potential as we talk about that. I haven't felt like he's a bust. He He's behind right now such luminaries as Charles Sims, Jalen Richard, Belial Powell, Darren Matthews, Latavius Murray, Ryan Matthews, T.J. Yeldon, then Jeremy Hill, then how about Fozzie Whitaker, Chris Thompson, Duke Johnson, and your boy. These are all guys that he – Who turned down Ajayi? What happened there? What happened Come on, Cletus, keep it together. Well, you know why, don't you? I mean, one of the big reasons, and, and of course we're not video because um, Artie here hasn't come up with a camera yet, right there. That goose egg that I'm showing Rick here on the video that that, that Cleet won't show <laughs> is how many touchdowns Eddie Lacy has this year. That's a good None. point. That's a good point. You know, the last he's, he's had a hundred yard game. He's had 103 yards against Detroit. He had 81 against the Giants, 65 against Dallas, but he scores no touchdowns. And let's face it, this isn't no. Uh, threat out of the backfield for a lot of reception yards either. No, no, they, they, they don't look that way. Looks like he's going to be out this week, so that that may be irrelevant. They made the trade for Charkandrick West, who looks like he might get significant time. Wait, oh, Cleet's shaking his head now. Niles Davis. Or Nile Davis. Well, Why did I say West? You're right. It was Nile Davis they made the move. You can come for. up to the microphone, Cleet. <laughs> You're allowed to talk. <laughs> I thought it was Newt. Sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. Artemis is is you can always talk. Artemis, that's a good name. I like yeah. that. We're gonna find Remember one. That? That's Artemis Gordon. Mm-hmm. It's it's a strong name. Yes. What's Artemis, Artemis Go- Gordon? Oh, you know the sidekick from Jim West from the Wild Wild West. Yeah, he's not up on the westerns. That, yeah. That's just hideous. I never got into. I mean, not it. only was it a um, a television show, they actually made a movie of it. What within the last five years? Correct. I think it was within. Will Smith, I believe, was one of the actors. No. Uh, Probably seven to ten. Okay. Well, that terrible Wild Wild West song Will Smith did. 
I don't have any idea. Unfortunately, is that the movie with Jackie yeah, Chan? Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's no. Shanghai Nights. Uh, see, yeah. there's too many of them. They're all the same, right? Oh. I didn't mind the what was the Back to the Future that was in the Old West. I didn't that mind that one, one so much. Yeah, yeah the personal opinion. You did see the third one. That's amazing. Second. Yeah. So I'm good there if that counts as a western. I'll count it. The other ones wear me out. What, you don't like Clint Eastwood westerns? No, uh... Well, you don't well, like Clint Eastwood westerns? It's kind of old. Audio's I, bad. I got nothing. I got nothing. No, it's not. It's not old? It's not bad. Eh, it's probably all right. I mean... You yeah, know how long it takes to watch a movie? Well... R- roughly 90 minutes. Yeah, that's a long time for me to keep my attention span. If you've listened to this show, if you've known me for five minutes, that's a long time to sit still and focus on any one thing. I've known you probably, let's see, what, over ten years about, now. About, um... Carry the three. Minus about two. About nine years too long. All right. Is, is my estimate. Okay. I think okay. it was over ten. No. I don't think it's been 10. It's been roughly 10. When did we start there? Oh, oh, 06, I think it's exactly 10. Or it was 10 in May. Yeah, it was 10 years in May. Wow. was our anniversary. Time flies. And you didn't even get me anything. What a jerk. I did, but Some I ate it. candies, a little flour, something like that. Yeah, I got Anyhow, it. what's your point? You, know, you lost. <laughs> well, you start no, doing math, you, and you, then it all falls you apart. You started talking about, like, Clint Eastwood movies and stuff like that were old. I mean... Anybody that's a man that disses Clint Eastwood, now I start really questioning the no. masculinity. You have none. No, Not see, to mention you have no intelligence or taste. See, this is this is where you get it all wrong. I, I'm sure they're wonderful. I'm sure they're the greatest things ever put on film. I'm not going to sit down for 90 minutes and watch it. Well, that's just that's because a, you're an a, idiot. That's a long time. You're an idiot. You know, what sports do you do? Are on all the what time? do you do? I, I, no, triple, answer my I question. I triple what screen do do? sports, and I put out radio gold. You're that's what I do, Richard. You're <laughs> 0-6. You, you have done nothing productive with, with your obnoxious attitude of watching sports you sit there turn the tv on and fall asleep on the couch well, i do some of that too but nowhere in any of that is there room to watch a 90 minute movie from the 60s i'm sorry i'm, I'm not gonna I'm, do I'm it gonna ask. i might have to interject because oh. the quintessential the good the bad and the ugly yeah two hours and 41 minutes. yeah that's not okay. gonna happen that no. may take him like three days yeah but you know what? The showdown at the end of that is one uh, of the most classic scenes oh, in movies. Really? A 30-year-old Western comes down to a showdown at the end? Weird. Who could have seen that coming? Spoiler alert. Come it, on. It, it was from 1966. There yeah. we go. Yeah. How long it, ago was that? And it 50 rivals years. anything of today's cinema. Oh. Cradogra. Well, if no. you think I'm watching any of today's cinema, cinema, cinema you're crazy. <laughs> I'm not doing it. But Benjamin can tell you that that the showdown at the end of that movie is probably, I mean, it's it's probably the classic showdown of any movie ever, well, including John. Well, Wayne. let me guess: the good yeah. guy shoots the bad guy. Well, there really and wasn't any the, good and guy. And he gets the girl. It there, depends. Where well, the, the girl all right, should. not the good guy, the protagonist. So there's, we we there's can't. There's no split good guys. Here. There's no girls. The protagonist wins. There's right? no protagonist. There's no, there's no protagonist. There's no so they're just amoebas floating around in space <laughs> shooting at each other. What are you talking about? There's got to be a protagonist. That's why you watch the movie. It's the basics of literature. I'm the I mean, dumbest person you'll talk to all day, and I know that it's true. I mean, it's true. I mean, technically, there's the good, the bad. And the ugly. But it's actually just more ugly. 
But the good one. No, they're basically all bad. Actually, they're all ugly. And ugly. But in well, a good way. Well, the best of them. So it's got an anti-hero. Everybody has movie. Like every exactly. F, like every <laughs> FX show now, there's there's the anti-hero, right? That that's what it comes down to. I th- I actually think that there's no way to define it. It's actually everybody is an anti-something that ends up being the opposite of what you were supposed to think they were. Right. Sounds exhausting. It I gotta is, be but honest. It's totally worth it. Yeah, oh yeah. I don't definitely. think I'm gonna. I'll yeah, take your word for it. There are like a few of those babies right there that you're consuming. I'm a hophead and you, now. And a, and a cigarillo. Yeah. Oh, I do miss the cigarillo. Those were the good old days. I should start smoking those gnarly Cigar, things again. Cigarette? Tipperillo? I can remember the commercial. <laughs> Tipperillo. They don't yeah. call them that anymore. I like that, though. Yeah. What are we talking about? We're supposed to be talking about fantasy football here. I that's, think that was 10 minutes of nonsense. That's how bad the season has gone. Yeah, so yeah, that's what it's been. I'm, I'm 0-6. What's your record, by the way? 3-3. Three and three. Actually, the good, the bad. No offense. It's it's kind of ugly. You, I'm yeah, not pretty. Yours is the ugly. Yeah, it's no it's not pretty. I I agree 100. percent Thank so, you. I just tied that all in I, to make so, it okay. So so basically, folks, I'm Clint Eastwood. Artemis over here is Lee Van Cleef, and you're Eli Wallach. On the plus side for me, Clint Eastwood's the only one of those three I've ever heard of. So, I'm a, I'm who would I be in the Young Guns movie? Now, though, that's a western I can watch. Young Guns, you would be. Trying to think. I would probably don't get to be Billy the Kid. He right? would obviously be, um, what was uh Indian's name? I can't remember. I don't think you can say I don't, that Yeah, I don't think you can say it's that. It's Native American now, Grandpa. I, I don't even think you're allowed to say Native American. What? Well, because that's implying that they're Native to America, but they were here before it was named America. So I think right. it's just... I'm giving you Native American. I'm not going any further. I'm sorry. Oh, how about Cherokee? They still allow that, yeah, right? That's fine. That's okay. That's okay. Now, who? What was his name in that movie? I think it was Bob. <laughs> that's a no, good that's, answer. That's, <laughs> yeah, we'll call him Artemis anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it could be Ije. That'd be a good name for a cowboy. Yeah, Ije. Why is Ije so quiet? What, what's going on here? Ajayi. There it is. We got it fixed. All, All right. right, let's get rolling. Let's talk now. some fancy sports as we apologize for that 10 minutes we completely lost. But I got to be honest, I've lost interest this week. I'll get it whipped back up next week, I promise you. But for this week, okay, I've got... we covered a few uh, running back. Busts. Here's what I want to talk about, Rick, before you move on while we're with the running backs. Don't roll your eyes at me. And then we're going to move on. We'll do wide receivers, tight ends as we move on. What I'm more intrigued on, because when I look at the fantasy scoring list for running back, we can talk about all the busts we want to. There is nobody outside of the top 24 even who's a surprise to me outside of Eddie Lacy, maybe Latavius Murray, but he's missed a couple games with an injury. Ryan Matthews, he's let me down, but at the same time, he's had a bye. He's missed a game with injury. Well, didn't wasn't ruled out, but he got that one carry against the Steelers. Everybody else, even if they're not performing to the level we expect them, are still in the top 24, so I can't call them a bust. What I want to look at is some of the guys, Rick. First name that pops in my mind is Matt Jones, who I will give you credit is Billy the Kid here, who hopped all over that Matt Jones bandwagon on Sunday morning. He's put together two really nice games in a row. Finally, it seems that Redskins team has made a commitment to running the ball. Is this a guy, and there's two or three of these guys I want to discuss, is Matt Jones a guy we can trust the rest of the way out? 
I think you can, quite frankly. And um, because it, it's, I think they've, they're, um, Washington is basically starting to find themselves. And of course, a lot of it you have to realize, too, is, is going to rely on the health of Jordan Reed. I mean, Jordan Reed is a monster outlet for Kirk Cousins, which keeps Matt Jones free to do a lot of what he does. Jordan Reed's out of there. I don't think you're going to get the same reaction from defenses. They're going to concentrate more in a run game. It's just the way I see it. Although that's sort of – I don't want to say that's what sparked them – but where they they well, looked so good, good last week. That's a good point. Vernon Davis is a capable backup. Look, he ain't Jordan Reed, but Vernon Davis is capable. Jamison Crowder is that guy. It seems Pierre Garçon can step into a little bit of that Reed role. And now they add the running game, which they've refused that's, to do for a year and four games. Right. All of a sudden, that looks like a scary offense. Yeah, and it looks like that they're actually correct in selecting Matt Jones, at least for this system. And he's, he just seems to be falling into this role. And, I mean, they, got, they shipped Alfred Morris out, which everybody, you and I included, why are they getting rid of him? Why are they not letting him play in Washington? And he goes to Dallas. We thought he was going to be oh, at least a 60-40 split with Elliott. He's no. nothing, nothing but a sheer backup role. Matt Jones has really fallen into the lead running back role in Washington. And it, it is a bit of a surprise. But, I mean, you, you talk about you don't think – I'll tell you one back that is surprising to me is Todd Gurley. What? Well, yeah, how do we not discuss Todd Gurley? You're right. Is his production has been abysmal at best. He has no 100-yard games through six contests. 85 yards is his highest um, yardage. He only has three touchdowns. He had two against Tampa Bay in a 37-32 kind of a you know seesaw game. You gotta throw out a, anything anyone does against Tampa Bay. Right. Hey, forty. I mean, he's basically right now a fifty to sixty yard guy, and that's not what you drafted him for. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the biggest surprise with Todd Gurley to me. After averaging forty yards a carry on Sunday, he hasn't risen his average his yards per carry above two point nine. He's not even at a three. And we we discussed this on one of the shows recently. There's just no respect for that passing game. Now you have to wonder. Now let's look at Todd Gurley going forward in the couple minutes we have left in this segment. They're starting to. I understand it's been against the Lions. Even against the Bills, they're starting to be able to throw that ball a little bit. You look what Brian Quick's doing making the big plays. You know, your boy Kenny Britt, he's not in jail, and all of a sudden he's looking like a legitimate threat in the passing game. If they're able to start throwing that ball, you would think that would open some things up for a Todd Gurley. Yeah, and in case Casey Kasem, you know, actually threw over what three hundred yards. Yeah, a last monster week. game last week. And before we go to break, I want to hit on another guy that that well, the, the whole team. Let's face it. Okay, week one, ninety six yards rushing, fifty nine yards receiving. Week two, one hundred yards rushing, three touchdowns. Matt Forte with the Jets. Yeah, then all of a sudden, and then. They just decide that we're not going to use Matt Forte anymore, and from now on we're using Belil Powell. Exactly. This team has crumbled and is falling by the wayside. It is 
abysmal quarterback play. It's, it's that was just too long. I'm sorry. Well, I can fade it out. Just keep talking. It's great, but be it's, a professional. It's, no, be I a, am professional, a professional, Rick. I am, Dan. I I'm telling trust, you that this is no good. I am the best. You know what? I really in think. I really think we need to get Floyd over here control the board. No, because then you couldn't smash your Ajayi button 47 times in an episode. Frank, take control of the situation here. <laughs> Moving on. We, we got rid of Frank because he was so mean and violent, remember? What is wrong? I mean, I don't understand. Todd Bowles is a disaster yeah, he stinks. leading this team. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a horrible quarterback. True. Geno Smith's a horrible quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> understatement why aren't they giving bryce petty at least a shot this season is gone yeah i think you have to you're, you're is he not, healthy he was hurt you're I, not he may playing be matt forte you're force feeding belil Powell, who has been a career backup his entire life you have brandon marshall who obviously from your wailings cannot yeah. score enough points to make any sort of a comeback eric decker leaves and marshall's numbers go down Explain this to me. I don't understand it. This whole this team is a debacle. I mean, it really is. I mean, they have lost four straight, 24-3. Of course, they were competitive against Seattle. They got blowed out by Pittsburgh, and they got absolutely destroyed by Arizona. Now, Kansas City, Seattle, Pittsburgh, and Arizona isn't the easiest four-game stretch in the world. I understand that. But you would think somewhere along the line they would win one of those, be one and three. They could be two and four right now, still be alive. But they don't even look like they're a functional team right now. Well, and how much of it? So much of it has to do with their quarterback continually giving the ball away to the other team. And God knows, Geno Smith isn't the solution to that problem. He stepped in, and what did he promptly do? He promptly threw an interception, and then leading Todd Bowles to say after the game, Ryan Fitzpatrick's our guy. We're going back to him, and then. On Wednesday morning, saying, "Well, what I meant to say was," yeah. and now all of a sudden, Geno Smith starting this week. It's a killer for Brandon Marshall. You know, we didn't get to that at the top of the show with the headline. That's a you know, we talk about Ben Roethlisberger, what his absence does to Antonio Brown. What in the God's name does Geno Smith do to Brandon Marshall, who's been suspect as it is? Exactly. I mean, this team. You have a jet on your team. Look, I, I've got Matt Forte shares. Trust me, in legs. He's on the bench right now. He's riding the pine. You can't survive and expect to win games getting five points a game from a running back. No, remember, we were whining after weeks one and two when he got all those carries, you know, 22, 30. And then I guess Bowles was listening, dropped them to 15, 14, then 12 against the Steelers. Just read comically low numbers. I know he's been nicked up. Remember, we had that whole story. And if he I'm not mistaken, he got 12 carries against Pittsburgh, being 12 for 57 yards. Yeah, he It was had. almost five yards a carry, and they refused to use this guy. To be fair, though, he had one 28-yard run. True. So true. he had about 11 for 30. But that's what good running backs do, right? Exactly. We talk about a lot of good running backs they do make that. make plays happen. You're right. absolutely right. But you know what? We're halfway through the reset show. We're going to get down. We're not going to go on tangents. We're actually going well, to get through some wide Well, don't promise something you can't keep. Well, I can promise it. I'm... But they know I'm a liar. Yeah, we lie. I was yeah. going to say, shouldn't we discuss Fistful of Dollars next? Uh, we could do that. We could. We'll maybe, be back right after maybe this. Maybe even Big Jake or something.
Welcome back to the Asylum right here on the Arena Sports Network. We are Flieger and Briggs. And, uh, you know, I come to the conclusion, um, Arthur, that I know why Flieger doesn't watch any of these movies. And why is that? He's afraid he may like it. Oh, that's that's a valid point. Yes, there's no doubt about that. But hey, let's you mean like get... in a bad way. Yes, very uh, bad. Or in an ugly way. Or a good way. Or a good way. Let's let's get More into bad our Western mid-season speaker. reset and let's get on to wide receivers right now. And quite frankly, I don't know if I should have him ranked up there, but I don't have the guts to take him out. So right now, my top five are Julio Jones, AJ Green. Amari Cooper, Odell Beckham Jr., and Antonio Brown. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you can't bump Antonio Brown yet. If Ben Roethlisberger winds up missing just the one game, and it, it's one game, big deal. He's not. He's had meniscus surgery. He's going to miss at least three weeks. You know, uh, you didn't. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, who you didn't mention. You didn't mention Larry Fitzgerald, did you? No, this is I a guy did we're not. disrespecting. This guy belongs in every top five. We still get Larry Fitzgerald questions sometimes. This is ridiculous. Right now, he's uh, what the fifth overall fantasy score, averaging about eighteen points a game, one hundred nine for the year. Larry Fitzgerald has had a rebirth. It's been amazing what he's done. He's also a huge fan of westerns. I think you're making that up. Well, he's number three now. Okay. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, there's not really a whole lot of surprises up there. I mean, Hilton surprised me a little bit. That he's that high. To that be a top 12 doesn't yeah. surprise me. To be three, yeah. that stuns me. Yeah, I have him at four in the format that I'm looking at. But, I mean, either way, he's top five. And that's a little bit surprising. Marvin Jones is a bit of a surprise. He's a top ten guy. Um, but, you know, your other ones is Fitzgerald. It's, oh, yeah, I guess maybe there is another surprise, Terrell Pryor. Yeah, that's a bit of a surprise. I mean, there's just no getting around what he's done on an extremely bad Cleveland team, although they've been competitive. I would dare say that they are not the worst team in the league, yet they haven't won a game. Yeah, I think that's a team that could beat a San Francisco, almost beat a Miami. I think if they right. played a seven-game series out of, with Miami, it goes seven games. Yeah, it seems like Cleveland's in every game. And quite frankly, it's Terrell Pryor keeping them in every game. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, no. it's um, it's Terrell Pryor. Gary Barnage starting to emerge a little bit. Crowell has been a solid running back, but they're, they go in spurts. They go against a team that you can run against, and Crow has a big day. They go against a team that's pretty uh, stout against run. He doesn't do anything. Right. And, I mean, it's not like a good, solid 80-yard a game. No, day. I think Crowell's still a matchup play. I really right. maybe not as much as he'd been last year. Say you feel safer with him, but he he's he's just he's simply not an every week play even though he's a top 20 fantasy back. He's made his bones against bad defenses. The nice thing about a guy like Crowell, he plays on a team playing a last place schedule. So you have a lot of those opportunities, right. but he is a matchup play. I want to go back to something you said as you look at this list cuz I think the point of the show here is although we haven't had much of a point it's bouncing around like a ping pong ball today (laughs) but the point of what we want to do here is going forward here's what we know now none of this we none of it I don't think we thought was going to happen in August so we're looking at it now is it going to go forward are we buying it are we selling it are we kicking it down the street you mentioned Marvin Jones being up there 
and is a bit of, of, of a surprise. I want to take a delve into Marvin Jones a little bit. Okay, he was the he was the hot ticket all summer, right? Well, I'm going to tell you something right now before you get into it. I don't want to interrupt, but Marvin well, Jones. If you didn't want to, you wouldn't. Well, I wanted to, but I wanted to get my point <laughs> No, seriously, Marvin Jones is exactly where I thought Golden Tate was going to be. That's a fair point. That's a really good point, number one. Now I'll be quiet. But, no, I don't believe that either. But here, here we go. Let's look at Marvin Jones. Week one, four catches, 85 yards. That's about where I'd expect a Marvin Jones to be, right? Week two, eight for a buck 18. All right, that's pretty darn good. I'm happy oh, about yeah. that. Week three, six for 205 and two two touchdowns. Whoa, now we got something here. Uh Uh-oh, five for 74, four for 37 and a touchdown, two for 10 and a touchdown. I think Marvin Jones is reverting back to the mean, and that's sort of my takeaway from all of this. Is this season, you know, my philosophy's been, I think I've said it on the show before, is when it's all said and done, guys' numbers are going to be pretty close to what's on the back of their football card. Right? Is Marvin Jones reverting back to the mean? He's been on a steady decline since that big 200-yard game. Well, the thing is, is who had the big game last week when he had 10 yards of touchdown? Well, Golden Tate just went nuts. Okay. Anquan Bolden's stepping in, basically taking Eric Ebron's place. I mean, Anquan Bolden is a tight end. He's he's a tight end. You're going to see Marvin Jones. Also likes Westerns. Yes. This, again, is a lie. You're going to see him creep up back to like the 74, 85 yards. I think that's I think. who he is. Which right. is okay because you actually drafted Marvin Jones as a WR2 or WR3 or maybe even a flex, depending mm-hmm. on how much you bought into the hype coming into the season. Yeah, he's going to level. He's going to come back off and plus or back up. And he, the schedule is probably in his favor. You got Washington. Now you're at Houston and at Minnesota before the bye, which is kind of difficult. Yeah, you're but, benching everybody against Minnesota the rest of the way. But then right? you got Jacksonville. You got Minnesota again, but New Orleans, Chicago, and the Giants. Marvin Jones is going to get his. Right. He's 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 going to be a match. Yeah, Minnesota. I boy, I tell you what, they I'm keep not playing, playing anybody like against <laughs> no. Minnesota. I mean, nobody. I agree. with If you. I have a better, and there's going to be times you don't have a better option. But I'll tell you, I'm sitting almost anybody. You name him. You know, save if his name isn't Tom Brady or Rob Gronkowski, I'm considering sitting him against Minnesota. Right. You know, I think my point on Marvin Jones is he's going to revert back. Right now he's sitting at number seven overall in PPR fantasy scoring, if that's where you have him, Rick. I have him at seven. He's got 106 fantasy points in PPR formats. He had 58 of those in those two games we talked about, 58 of the 100. So he's not the number seven fantasy wide receiver, and he hasn't been since week, week, uh, what was that, three. All right, now I I agree. I think five for 74, four for 37, four for 85, hoping for that touchdown. That's who he is. To me, Marvin Jones is still a number two wide receiver. You're going to play him in most formats most of the time. The number seven wide receiver in fantasy football, he is not. He just simply isn't. He had two great weeks. It's not going to happen every week. Right. But I'll tell you what, one offense I think is real, and we talked about this in the preseason and it actually came to fruition. Um, what offense has two receivers in the top 11 in, oh, in the league? What offense has two receivers in the top 11? This is It's got to be the Raiders, right? It is the Raiders. Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. Exactly. And – 
Derek Carr, you know, when we get to quarterbacks. He is right up there. He is everything that I thought this kid was going to be and probably even more. This, right. I mean, he is – if they can just keep Latavius Murray healthy – Boy, this could be a very dangerous team, even with that horrible defense that they have. Do they need to keep Latavius Murray healthy? Is he that good? I know he's your boy. You you've well, been on that, you know, hitched to that wagon for a while now. I th- I think he adds he adds a little added dimension to that offense when he's healthy. The guy's big. He's fast. I mean, it's just yeah, they've been scoring enough points without him. But, boy, you just throw him into the mix when he's healthy. Now you have Jalen Richard with, with some uh, experience. I tell you what, it's a dangerous offense. Oh, there's, yeah, there's no doubt about it. But I think I think you keep working Richard in. I think true. it's a big play. Murray's a big play type of guy, and that's what's frustrating about him. You're way, you need him to make the one big play in a game to sort of salvage the day. Now, to his credit, and, and you can't take these points away, he he did it most weeks last year. He did it the first few weeks this year before the injury. You just I, I always get nervous with with a cat like that, waiting for that big play. If that big play doesn't come for two or three weeks. You you are really scuffling there. You're in a lot of trouble. So Rick, let's talk about your boy now. I think probably a surprise being in the top twenty four, being a solid upper end number two wide receiver. Your boy, he's out of prison. We talk about him a lot here. Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt you buying right. it? Can you, you riding this pony? Yeah, I think I am, uh, to be honest with you, because I'm not buying into Brian Quick. He's the big play guy. Right, right. At Tavon Austin, we know he's versatile and all that, and he's dynamic. But Kenny Britt is – he's the rock of that um, core right there. And, yeah, I, I'm buying into Kenny Britt as long as Casey Kasem – can keep the ball flinging around. Gurley has they they have to block enough to keep Gurley productive enough where when they start doing play action it means something. Right, right. I mean he can't continue to have fifty yards. I mean he's gonna have to break out and get 110 yards one of these days and just keep these defenses honest. But I'm what really- I do like to see with Gurley and we didn't get to that before we we wrapped up the last segment as you see his yards per carry down, his right. yardage numbers down, what have you? What else have you noticed? So it hasn't amounted to much, but you're seeing his receptions exactly. creep yep. up steadily. I believe he was up to five last week. So you think even a stubborn old mule, you know, the only guy more stubborn than you on the planet is Jeff Fisher, finding out, all right, for whatever reason, I can't run the ball. I have got to get the ball in my best playmaker's hand, and they're starting to evolve, involve him there. That's good for girly owners, and it's good for Brit owners and everybody involved in that Los Angeles offense. And I'm starting to believe that Kenny Britt is one of these kind of guys almost akin to um, a Brandon Marshall. You're starting to see him get a little older. He's starting to mature a little bit. He's got, over. He's got what, 30 catches so far this year. And the thing is, with 30 catches, okay, Tavon Austin has 26 catches for 242 yards. Kenny Britt has the 30 catches – for 492 yards. Right. I mean, that's a big difference. And, and this kid 
can make the plays. And, yeah, I am buying into Kenny Britt. And what I like about a Kenny Britt now, – now, don't get me wrong, folks. I don't think this is an every-week number two guy, although his ranking at this point would put in there. And while you tend to buy into it, what I don't like about Kenny Britt is this. He got his first two touchdowns last week, and you don't get to play Detroit True. every week. And there's 31 other teams in the league that lament that fact that you don't get to play Detroit every week. But that being said, the floor on a guy like Kenny Britt, if you're struggling, if you're looking to get back in your playoff picture, in a PPR format, the floor for a guy like Kenny Britt, when you look at his catch totals, four, six, four, four, five, seven. Right. You're not taking the goose egg if you're a – yeah, you're trying to force Tajay Sharp to happen, or if you're if you're a Mike Thomas in New Orleans type of guy, where it's all or nothing. Right. Kenny Britt, you can plug into a flex spot in a deep PPR league, and he's going to keep you afloat. He's going to keep you rolling. There's not going to be those ridiculous highs and lows because he put up these four, six, four, four for sixty-seven, six for ninety-four, four for thirty-eight in weeks where they couldn't score at all and looked like just the worst offensive team in football. Now Casey Kasem's starting to find a little bit, and you see Britt's numbers rising with it. Look, he's not going to be AJ Green. We know that, but this no. is going to be a nice, steady twelve points in your flex. Write it down and don't worry about but it. Here's the, here's the thing with Kenny Britt, which which is a perfect segue to my bus. If you have a Jeremy Macklin, right, you can throw Kenny Britt in place of him. By the way, you know Jeremy Macklin, the number one receiver on Kansas City, twenty what twenty two catches, two hundred ninety seven yards, one touchdown. That ain't getting it, pal. No, <laughs> that isn't getting it done. And when you drafted Jeremy Macklin, you were drafting him probably as Maybe a low-end WR2, WR3, but still you would expect some production out of him. My WR3 was Calvin Benjamin. I mean, you know what you're expecting out of that. If you're, you know, Jeremy Macklin, it's in that realm somewhere. Right. Right? I mean, you look at 5 for 63 and a touch, 6 for 68, 4 for 35, 5 for 78, 3 for 49. So it's less catches in Brit. The the yardage is – well, no, he's 100 yards behind as well. He's so, I 200 mean, yards behind Kenny Britt. Oh, yeah, Britt's 490, huh? 490, I was thinking he's 395. Yes. So, and, and, and he's not, not getting in the end zone either. Let's let's get into the to the bus. Okay, Kenny Britt or Jeremy Macklin? We already kind of talked about that. I think the rest of the way, it's Kenny yeah. Britt for me. Golden Tate. See, now that that's intriguing. All right. He has been – he was so bad – until right. last week. I don't want you to think I'm riding a wave. I'm overreacting. This is a guy when I made my trade last week, Rick, I think we talked about on Sunday when I warned everybody to sit, everybody that I acquired in the trade, because for one week they go busto, and I think we proved that <laughs> right, as right. a matter of fact. But anyhow, that being said, we talked about in that trade, the person to, with whom I made the trade wanted me to throw, wanted me to throw Tate in just just to fill out the rosters because it was a two-for-three move or something like that. All that being said, it doesn't matter. My response was, I just had a feeling about Golden Tate going forward. And as I watch Marvin Jones' numbers decline, as I watch Matt Stafford still throw the ball 40, 45 times a game, Golden Tate's never a guy you can trust. I'll tell you what, I got a feeling we're gonna, he, he's going to build on what we saw last well, week. Well, he's got to level off some, right? I mean, he had 165 yards last week. Previous five games before that were 41, 13, 41, and 39. 
He's it's got to level off somewhere in between, correct? I would certainly think. And as they continue to not have a running game, as everybody's hurt, you get these other guys involved. I think one thing we didn't talk about with Marvin Jones. Just watching him play, he's been questionable every week, but 80% of the players in his leagues are, are questionable because we don't have the probable designation anymore. Right. So I don't know if he's pro- questionable, questionable, or probable questionable. He doesn't look healthy. He doesn't look like the same cat that put up those big numbers in those two weeks. So I'm wondering if as we get Golden Tate more and more and more involved. Right. And very he, possible. He's the type of guy, too, in a Golden Tate who can be the replacement for your running game. There's those receivers in the league, a Julian Edelman, who we're going to talk about here shortly, where in absence of being able to run the ball, you're throwing that little hitch to him, that little quick slant. That's who Golden Tate is. If they continue to be unable to run the ball, you're not going to see what you saw last week, you know, 40-point performances from a Golden Tate, but you're going to see more what we expected, five, six, seven catches, you know, four yards a catch, right? So you, right. you're getting six for 80, things like that. I think I think you can see that out of a Golden Tate going forward. I'm going to bring up a guy, Rick, that is um, behind. These are the guys immediately ahead of him in PPR. Devontae Adams, Terrence Williams, Robert Woods, Alan Hearns, Adam Thielen. Okay? That's these not guys, good company. These guys are right ahead of him, uh, which means he's behind them in fantasy points. Would you have expected this – last July out of Michael Floyd? You know what? No, I wouldn't. I'll tell you what, there was a lot of fantasy guys out there. As much as I bash the guys who really do this for a living, they got this one right. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. John Brown's been a disappointment, save for that little stretch in the third quarter. I don't know if you're watching. Where is... It's all Fitz, man, and it's all David Johnson. Yeah. David John, I understand the David Johnson thing and Fitzgerald being number one, but we we look at like um, this offense. We look at Pittsburgh. I mean, you have Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown when Ben's in there, correct? Right. Well, Sammy Coates is still playable. Right. He gets fed, no exactly. doubt about it. Exactly. I mean, uh, Jesse James is, is viable tight end. Cardinals don't have one. No. Okay. Never have. And, and you have Brown and Floyd. They're behind. Obviously, Sammy Coates by a long ways, mm-hmm. and Ben still spreads it out to to uh, Eli Rogers. Of course, Marcus Wheaton's been hurt, so you really haven't seen a lot of and him. He's a terrible football player, don't forget he that. Is. Yeah, he, he doesn't catch a whole yeah, lot. I don't know. Right. He, I want to say and a bad human being. I guess I don't know that, but, but a four, terrible football. But fourteen player. catches for Michael Floyd is. I can't explain. I would have never, you'd have never convinced me of that. But in the preseason, is this a Carson ever. Palmer problem or is it a, a Michael Floyd problem? That offense isn't what it was, and when you got a guy like David Johnson, it doesn't need to be. So I don't know if the philosophy's changed. It's it's, it's almost got to be a, a put all the circumstances together, right? It's got to be the fact that the running game is their first, second, and fourth options. Then you got Larry Fitzgerald, and then John Brown, sort of the possession guy. Michael Floyd was the big play guy, and they're not making big play. I don't know if it's Floyd. I don't know if it's Paul, or if it's Palmer. I have no expectation that he turns around. He got in the end zone last week. Once that game was over, I, I don't buy a whole lot into that. It was a hell of a catch. It's a type of play that can turn a season around. I just don't think that's who that offense is this year, quite frankly. No, I don't either. I mean, he's had his his highest production was in week three at sixty five yards. Right. 
I mean, that's the highest game that he's had. Yeah, he got into the end zone against the Jets in week six in that 28-3 route, but he had 22 yards. Right. I mean, that's all you're getting out of him. All right, who I want to talk about, Rick, and I want to know where we're going forward, and I can't believe that this cat hasn't come up in discussion already, is Julian Edelman, who we mentioned briefly a little bit earlier. Now, obviously, we got four games without – Tom Brady. So we almost forgive anything that happened in those four games. Although, you know, you got week one, seven for 66, week two, seven for 76, and four for 30. It's a very close to Julian Edelman type production without having a Tom Brady. He had the one for 15, 16 against in that disastrous Bills game where they got shut out. But then, as excited as Gronk owners were, what, excited as Chris Hogan owners were, when Tom Brady comes back in week five, Julian Edelman owners are rejoicing. And in two games, he's got nine catches for 65 yards. That is an absolute stunner to me. This, this is Brady's, after Gronk, this is his top option. This is their running. James White is getting his work, Julian Edelman's work. Rick, do we expect this to turn around, or is something changed here? I don't know what to make of Julian Edelman. I think there's a couple factors at work. Quite frankly, I think, number one, Edelman's been dealing with a foot injury just about all year. True. So it's slowed him down a little bit. But I think you're seeing Bill Belichick. Let's face it, we talked about this in the preseason. I wrote about it in the Fantasy Greek Draft Guide. When Martellus Bennett came to town, I mean, this, this was what you – this was close to Gronk and Hernandez as you could get. And it's starting to prove true. Right. These guys are unstoppable. You don't know who to cover. And Edelman's been slowed with that foot injury. LeGarrette Blunt's been, they're using Gronk, Bennett, and, and Blunt. They're huge. They've been trucking people. And James White, I believe, has three touchdown catches since Brady's come Exactly. Back. And Brady's using James White. Edelman, I think he may pick up some. You know, it, it just depends on what – I don't even know what the severity of the foot injury is, quite frankly. I mean, we'll you never, never know, know because we'll, of that yeah. jerk in the hoodie. You, yeah, you're we'll, never we'll going to know, know where he's really at. Exactly. But, no, I don't think you're going to get Julian Edelman numbers that you were expecting from the last couple of years because I think they have morphed into the past. We got these two tight ends that are monsters. Nobody can catch. And by the way, we got a running game. Yeah. So I agree. So I think Julian Edelman owners be nervous. I think this might be a guy. Everybody's got a guy or two in the league who will make that deal for the name brand guy, right? Without doing a whole lot of research into what the recent numbers have been. This is a guy I'm trying to sell because I agree with it. Look, at some point, a matchup with the Patriots is going to dictate that Julian Edelman catches 12 balls, right? But it's not going to be every single week like it was the last couple of years after Aaron Hernandez went on his murder spree and it became about Gronk and Julian Edelman, right? I agree with you. All the difference in the world is Martellus Bennett. And you've seen nobody does this better with the two good pass-catching tight ends. It comes down to, frankly, there's just not enough left, especially if they continue this commitment to the run game with Ludda LeGarrette. Blunt's doing. I agree with you 100. percent I don't see I see an Edelman bouncing back to those numbers. Right, and I'll tell you what. I'm going to put another question to you. I don't know how much time we have. We left have in this about four minutes, five minutes left. All right, in this segment. that'll be enough for you to lament. Oh no, I know what you're doing, you jerk. If I told you in weeks after week six 
the cert, yeah, 37th ranked fantasy scoring wide receiver in the league would be Allen Robinson. What would you have thought? I would have thought you were a damn fool. Yeah. Well, guess what? <laughs> I have him at 32, but yeah. why quibble? But, yeah, I mean, it doesn't it's not really good. matter. Either way, Jeremy Curley's ahead of him in either scenario, <laughs> and that's right. not good. That is not good. Exactly. Stephon Diggs is ahead of him, and he's been hurt. Yeah, he, he missed some time. <laughs> I do. I'm stunned, Rick. I'm, I'm just absolutely stunned. And, and this goes right into you just don't know what to expect. I mean, everybody – including us, was ex- expecting big things from this Jacksonville offense. It has spit and sputtered all year long. Blake Bortles is one of my quarterback busts of the year. Um, Alan Hearns is actually the only one performing what you thought he might in Jacksonville. I mean, but he was uh, next to nothing. I mean, you didn't pay for anything to get Alan Hearns on your team. Right. And Alan Robinson went first, second round in just about all legs. And he's horrible. You know, my concern with Allen Robinson, you know, I was heartened. We talked about it after week one. He only had the six for 72, but he had 15 targets. I, I felt pretty good right. about that, right? And then week two, that just disaster, that unexplainable game against San Diego where they just got their doors blown off, only five five targets. So that's when I started to sweat. And then in weeks three and four, 21 total targets in those two weeks and now we bounce back last week against the chicago defense and that ain't the bears of the 80 of 8 no, 1985 no. and he only got two carry two tar- or six targets i'm sorry three catches there's an inconsistency in his target numbers now where i'm uh, i'm still sort of grasping you know fingernails just clenched on the you see these type of target number what is that rick 26 36 47 targets through six games. That's some high target numbers on an average. You know, maybe we throw right. we throw the five, we throw the 15 out. You he's know, only so got about 50% catch ratio is a problem. That's a pro- is that Bortles? Is that Robinson? You know, the games I've watched, a lot of it are bad throws. He's getting mugged every time. We had that. We had fun watching that London game <laughs> yeah. where every time he got a target, they tackled him before the ball got there. They just said, all right, you're not going to beat us, and you guys aren't going to score inside the five because you can't run the damn ball. So, you know, I don't know what to make. These target numbers tell me you have to hold on to an Allen Robinson. You've yes. got to stay strong. He's still the most talented football player on that offense. He still revolves around him in the passing game. But I tell you, I don't know how much longer you can do it, or you're sitting 0-6 like I am I have you took to him see, as your first overall. I have to think that with week three coming up against that Oakland defense, Chris Ivory's getting back in game shape. They can use the one-two punch with Ivory and Yeldon. It's got to open up a little bit. You would think so. If it doesn't open up this week, I'd start to panic, quite frankly. See, and, and I think that that's a good point you hit on. We only got about a minute left here. Who has fear of TJ Yeldon running the ball? Well, you got to pay attention to him in the passing game. Right. But he's been so bad. I believe he had, for at some point, I don't know where it sits now, but at some point after a significant amount of carries, he was at a sub-two yards per carry. I, I don't know what the numbers wind up to be. Maybe we can look them up in the break if we want to keep going with this. But you have no fear of a T.J. Yeldon running. The, but Chris Ivory's a legitimate running back. We saw him. Right. He finally got in the end zone last week. 
getting him going. Seems like he's finally 100% healthy. We don't know, and we'll probably never know what that deal was yeah, that put really. him in the hospital. But I think it put a pretty good wall up on him. As he gets healthy, as you get a legitimate running game, I think it opens things up for, for all of these guys. Because Alan Hearns is good enough to give Alan Robinson some room. You can't right. double Alan Robinson on every play and play the run and keep Alan Hearns from catching 12 balls. And you still balls. have Julius Thomas. Yeah, you got, you got a little bit of that, too. They're, they're getting other guys involved. So I'm not giving up. You know, and that's do we give up? Do we move on? With an Edelman, I say yes. With a Robinson, I know guys like me. Alan I'm in Robinson your boat. Robinson is He's... a perfect buy low candidate if you can get a hold of him. Yeah, and I wouldn't sell low. Low, right. though. You know, I'd be careful with that. I'm trying to avoid that. Although, really, if you're in the caveman league and you're listening, <laughs> give me a call. I, I, you can talk me into pretty much anything because come on. One more oat soda and you'll have a deal. <laughs> I like it. All right, well, we have got to take a break. We'll be back, wrap up this disaster right after this. You are listening to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show on the Arena Sports Network. All right, welcome back to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Show here on the Arena Sports Network. This, Rick, is Boys to Men. I know one of your favorite bands. I Obviously, Amos isn't in charge of the board yet, and it was <laughs> really bothering me. I believe in the 7th or 8th grade, this was a, a dance. Oh, yes, like, absolutely. You had to pretend that the Holy Spirit was between Oh, yeah, you leave, always leave room for the Holy Spirit. That was the rule. Well, that's always a good game. idea, but the song stinks. Oh, that's a good song. All right. I mean, we don't have enough time to get to the hook, but if we got to the hook, you'd love it. I don't think your don't microphone's think working there, Cletus. You're awful quiet. I had a good run. Yeah, yeah, I think Cletus might be up. There it is. Rick fixed it. Well, talk. Thank you. Nah, you broke it again. If it don't fit, get a bigger hammer. That's that's the rule here on the Asylum Fantasy There's Sports. something wrong with it. And this guy's a producer. Yeah. <laughs> you think he could turn on his microphone. Yeah, I don't understand this guy. But All yeah. right. Well, let's get into it, Rick. I think we should wrap this up. We've mentioned as Quickly. we, as we – <laughs> I don't like your attitude tonight, Richard. I, I can't help it. It's horrifying. Yeah, it's been a rough year. It's and been he's a. He's not the one that's 0 6. Yeah, yeah. Put yourself in my shoes. And yet here I am pumping out radio gold every <laughs> yeah. minute of every day. So you are welcome, Arena Sports Network. Snow, get at me, man. We, we'll, we'll make this happen. We'll get rid of the old timer and we'll roll together. So, Rick, as we've talked about all these players. We've mentioned a lot of buy low, sell high, a lot of this. We're sitting there. Not everybody's 0-6 like me. A lot of people are 3-3 three and three like Mr. Briggs is in the Caveman League. A lot of people are 2-4. and four. You're still alive. I never consider you out, anybody out, till they get that six loss. That's why I'm out. You're still way in it, Rick. So let's talk some buy low, some sell high. Let's get some people limp to the finish line and ready to go on a championship run. Why don't we start with some buy low, guys? Why don't, why don't we start there, Richard? Well, I think we covered one in the last section, right, or the segment before we went to commercial break. Allen Robinson, I think, is a great guy to to buy low on. If you can get him off somebody that's desperate for some help, I, I think you can probably get him for a pretty good price. I, I would think so, yeah. I mean, somebody like me, I, I know Cletus is over here feverishly going through his horrific team trying to find some, enough scraps together to get him off me. I'm not willing to do it because of my thoughts on Allen Robinson, but I agree. He's probably the best buy low. Let's talk about Rick. Maybe we'll take a different tact on this, at least right now. 
Do you consider DeAndre Hopkins a buy low? Because you can't sell high on him. Do you consider him a buy low, or is DeAndre Hopkins who he is? He's somebody I wanted to get to last segment when he just ran out of time. Well, DeAndre Hopkins is who he is, but the problem is so is Brock Osweiler. And, and I think that's been the whole key to him. Now, in, in all fairness, Houston's playing pretty good football. Uh, the defense is still playing pretty decent. The run game's there. But Hopkins hasn't been called upon to do everything. And where you drafted him, he's failing abysmally, actually, in your fantasy team. He's a first-round pick. Exactly. He was 6-10, to ten, somewhere in there in the first round of your draft. But to, I don't know Whoa. what that noise well, we is. we got some craziness going on. It might be that super-secret government phone of Cletus there yeah, that we makes that get type that of noise. Turned off there, mister. <laughs> <laughs> He's still trying to get Allen Robinson off me with all those scraps he has. But, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is is way down on the list, and he is down with two other guys that we should just bring up as well. Brandon Marshall for one and Jordy Nelson for another. I mean, everybody expected huge things out of Jordy Nelson coming into this year. He's healthy. You know, Aaron Rodgers depends on him. He's developed rapport with Richard Rodgers. That helps Randall Cobb. Everything's going to be great. It isn't. Is this, Rick, and and that's a good question, is the struggles of Aaron Rodgers. Now, you talk about, I'll tell you what, why don't you say it on the air, what you said to me about, was it you or Cleet before we started the show about Aaron Rodgers? Well, it was back, I think, in 2010, and I think they went to the Super Bowl in 11, right? I mean, that February. I think it was that season. Yeah, I think it was that season. Aaron Rodgers' numbers are eerily similar to that year. And they weren't they didn't start off all that well and they really started to click. And obviously they went to the Super Bowl, but beat the Pittsburgh Steelers and they were Super Bowl champs. I wouldn't sell low on Jordy Nelson. I think his best is yet to come. Wow. Brand, Brandon Marshall? Hey, you know, a bag of flour and, and a peanut, you could probably uh, do better. I mean, it, it is that team is a mess. If we're going to keep seeing Geno Smith, then yes. I wonder where I where I would be hesitant to give up a Brandon Marshall and shocker, your name and somebody on my caveman team once again. Wonder how I got to be zero and six. Is this a one week? Get your mind right. Let's calm this down. Let's back it up, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let's chill out. We know Geno's going to come out and just absolutely puke all over his shoes. I don't know. Who are they even playing this week, Rick? I don't even know. It doesn't matter. You're playing Baltimore. Baltimore. So that's not good. So Geno Smith's going to come out and be terrible. I wonder if this is a one-week mental health break for Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you get Ryan Fitzpatrick right, we, we've seen what he can do and the rapport he has with a Brandon Marshall when everything is right. So I, I don't know if I'd sell this week. This is the lowest he's going to be. I think we see Ryan Fitzpatrick again before this is all said and done. I like your idea of getting Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg. If you're just selling this season down the river, if you're the Jets, 
then that's the move you have to make. If they're still going to try to win games, I think they're still going to try to win games with Ryan Fitzpatrick, and that could still bode well for a Brandon Marshall, quite frankly. Yeah, and quite frankly, Rick, he hasn't been hideous. I mean, against Seattle, they lost. He still had 89 yards and a touchdown. Against Pittsburgh, they got blown out of the stadium. Still had 114 yards and a touchdown. Last week against Arizona, he still managed 70 yards. So, I mean, he's not – it's and that was on three car- it's catches. It's the catch numbers that are brutal right. for Brandon Marshall. The yardage has been there. It's been the catch numbers. And the big part of that 70 yards is one of the most ridiculous catches of his career. Yeah. I don't know if you saw it, Rick, but it was absolutely absurd the play he made to catch that ball. Oh, the he's third one of the one, best in the league, period. Where he and, got the bulk of that yardage. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I – I mean – I agree with you, though. You're not going to get anything back if you're trying to sell a Brandon Marshall. You might get something back for an Allen Robinson, but quite frankly, I wouldn't do it. I'll tell you what, my biggest buy low, Rick, and bear with me here. Well, let's start out with, I'll just say, my biggest buy low right now is Jamal Charles. I know this is your boy. I know you've backed way off. They sort of eased him back. We expected a big workload last week. We didn't get it. They eased him back. Ware still got some of that work. I think he starts to perform to the point where he gets Spencer Ware back on the bench without getting so many carries. Now, I think you're going to be able to get him at a fair price for this reason. Jamal Charles was drafted in the sec- early to middle second round by somebody, right? That- that's where Jamal Charles got drafted. The person who drafted him, if you look at the a- ADPs in the first round, drafted Rick Allen Robinson drafted DeAndre Hopkins. Right. That guy's in a lot of trouble. So I think you could package up a couple of mid-level type of guys to fill out a roster and give a guy a chance to get over 100 <laughs> for one week. And I think you could get Jamal Charles at a good price. So I guess the question to you is, does Jamal Charles bounce back for you the way I think he's going to? And is he worth making a move for if that's the case? For like a Brandon Marshall? Yeah, that's that'd be a good trade. I don't think I would. Okay, I think I'd keep Brandon Marshall. I, I'm look. I, I love Jamal Charles, but I've always suspected after this last major knee injury that this was like the beginning of the end for him. And let's face it, Spencer Ware is playing great football. I I think I don't think he's going to come into this role and all of a sudden he just takes over. I mean, that's just my thought. I have nothing to base it on. But I don't think that he's actually going to be capable of doing it. Spencer Ware's young, and he's playing well. Um, They got New Orleans, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Carolina, Tampa Bay. Is there next, what, five games? That's I mean, a big opportunity. Are you going to have to run Jamal Charles in the ground? I think, it's gonna, I think you're going to see – they both could be productive, don't get me wrong. But I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just not convinced that Jamal Charles is just going to come in and be the man from here on out. Well, I'll tell you what, though. He could work listening to that schedule. Boy, that's a nice, easy little oh, yeah, stretch there. no doubt. Even if he's getting 15 touches in a game, he could work himself back to that level just based on the opponents. That actually emboldens me 
a little bit on that one. It really does. But, yeah, I don't know what I give up. I don't know how much you'd have to give up, which, again, is what makes him a buy-low type of guy because although the the fervor's sort of been out there, it's sort of been bubbling now that he comes yeah. back, but it's been two weeks. He hasn't really touched the ball. And I promise you, most Jamal Charles, not all, but a lot of Jamal Charles owners are in trouble right now. How about selling high on somebody, I don't know, that had a great week? Ajayi. Yeah. This cat, it, we, we talked about it, it off the top of the show, Rick. Again, we're not going to see that again. I don't trust Arian Foster to get back on the field and stay on the field. I guess the question becomes, did Adam Gase, did they find something there with Ajayi where we say, all right, we can get the ball out of this clown Ryan Tannehill's hands. We've got a capable running back. We don't need to use Drake and Larry and Daryl and his other brother Daryl. You know, every talk. every other carry. We got a guy we can trust and give the ball to. Look, as we found out the hard way, this guy came into the league with some fanfare. There's probably a lot of people out there saying what he did last week wasn't a surprise. And let's be honest, Rick, in the times he touched the ball leading up to last week's game against the Steelers, I don't this is where I'm torn. I don't give a lot of credit to anything that Miami did against that Steelers de- defense. They're not very good to begin with, number one. They were so banged up. They were so injured. Every key component of that defensive line and linebacking core was out last week or went out during the game. I don't want to make too much of one game, but he had looked good. With You know who he reminded me of? He reminded me of Ryan Matthews when I was all in years ago when he was in San Diego. He reminded he reminds me of what we said about Melvin Gordon for all those, for those last couple years, and it's finally coming to fruition, that when he has the ball in his hands, he looked like the real deal and we finally got the big pop last week I might consider him more of a buy I don't can you call him a buy low coming off a game like that I still don't know how much you'd have to give up but I think he's earned himself a bigger role in this offense and I think when it's all said and all said and done your boy I think it looks real good for him I'm just concerned about the whole Miami offense. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean Pittsburgh's defense was like a screen door. I mean, he played against New England in week two, 14 yards, 28 yards against Cleveland, 33 against Cincinnati, 42 against Tennessee, and then 204 yards against Pittsburgh. Well, guess what? They play Buffalo, then the Jets. They're playing San Diego, obviously, but then they play the Rams. They still have Baltimore, Arizona, the Jets again. I just not feeling a ton for our IJE, you well, know, coming into this thing. What I wonder, I think, I think his workload goes up, right? They had to, they had to finally realize, or does it? If Arian Foster's healthy. That's like saying well, I if, know. if I lost 40 pounds or if you grew hair. <laughs> I mean, neither of this is going to happen, all right? So I that that's I agree with you, but come on, you know, you're not you know, you're not going to the barber and getting a quaff anytime soon and I'm not running you any marathons. Like it's it's not going to happen. You, you understand what I'm saying? That's true. I I don't know. I'm just not still not a believer. I don't like this Miami team. I know they won two games and they destroyed Pittsburgh, but uh, 
don't know. I think a lot of teams are just going to start stuffing the box and make that clown with the ball. Ryan Tannehill beat them yeah, is what you like to think you could. But if you get, you know, it might be a matchup play. But I wouldn't give him away for nothing. You know, right. If you oh. got a good offer coming off that two hundred yard game, but I'll tell you, somebody's going to have to pay to get any starting your boy running back is valuable. And I think he's made himself that. You're I right. think that's the point. He's made himself that. And let, let's not forget. You know, if you look at his average, you know, four in week three, five and a half, three point two, eight point two. This is a almost a six yard a carry average. You know, and his carries went five, seven, six, thirteen, bang, twenty five. Again, I almost want to throw that Steeler game out. It was so bad. But if you got a a guy who's the number one back and an offense that can't throw the ball and he's averaging five and a half yards a carry, that's a guy I don't mind having as my number two running back or certainly on my bench or in a flex waiting, taking the wait-and-seat approach to a guy like somebody that really had to blow me away with an offer to give him up, I guess is what I'm saying. All right, I'm going to put a question to you. If they can get him on the field in week seven at Detroit and he plays the game, has a decent game, do you – do you get the best offer that you can for Jordan Reed? Oh. No. Maybe so, in a, so you're still going to ride him no matter what? I think I have to. When he's on the field, after Gronk, he's the number two tight end in the business. Oh, no way. All right, you want to put him third behind? Oh, Olsen. I always forget Olsen. All right, he's a third. Bennett, I'll put him behind Bennett. Probably now, yeah. Um, I, I'm just he hasn't he hasn't topped 100 yards. He has two touchdowns. in both in one game against Cleveland. He hasn't been super. Pro- I'm not knocking him. I mean, he he's dynamic, but that just, those concussions they worry me to death. I mean, he's still you know the the third leading fantasy scorer in, in PPR right now, but. Those concussions, this is number five officially, and I just don't have much faith. We saw what happened. We started having those concussion problems a couple years ago. I, I just don't know if it's going to stop. Yeah, well, that that's a concern. If I was in a dynasty league, even in a two- or three-year keeper league, I, I might take a, a ham sandwich for him at this point. For one year, look – Number one, we're, I'm not confident he comes back this season, Rick. I, I shouldn't even chuckle when I say that because it's a terrible Well, he's doing limited practice, so I yeah. mean in non-contact jersey. So, I mean, he's still out he's, on the field. But... He's working himself out of the protocol right. here. So, I think I have to say, look, he's always one hit away. But we knew that last year, and, and he won a lot of folks' championships last year. He won me championships in two different leagues last year. It was all on the power of him and what he and Kirk Cousins did at the end of last season. It has been a little slow at the beginning. He's got this concussion now. You know, I'd certainly be amiable to a deal, but I wouldn't give him away. Now, like I said, in a keeper, in a dynasty, you throw a ham sandwich and, you know, the backup tight end in Alabama, and I might make that deal. But for a season long, a redraft league, I think I'm hanging tough. I think I'm sticking sticking in there. All right. Um, that's just uh... – that was just a question that, that popped into my head. It just scares me, this concussion things, especially with Jordan Reed, the history that he has. And, and we'll get off of tight ends. But I, just a stat to put out there, Greg Olson has 610 yards receiving. The next closest one is Martellus Bennett at 362. I mean, that's, that's crazy. 
Now, I think Gronks might catch and pass all of them before it's all said and done of this nonsense. Because while Bennett's getting his yardage and getting all the touchdowns, Gronkowski is putting up. It looks like a game of Madden with the yardage numbers Gronk's put up since he's gotten healthy and Tom Brady's gotten back. And I don't think it's a coincidence that those two facts hit at the <laughs> no. exact same time. Exactly. I think that might be you know the the hoodie preserving Gronk a little bit, just waiting for Brady to come back. So I looked down through this list. I guess we got to talk about you know I wanted to talk maybe a little bit about Cole Beasley, but we know who he is. One thing we didn't talk about, we had a debate two weeks ago, I think it was, or whenever, about Tony Romo and Dak Prescott and, and what Dak Prescott did going into Green Bay and winning a game. And look, this is a lot, a lot about what Ezekiel Elliott and that offensive line are doing. But I think last week was the first time I looked at a game and said, wow, Dak Prescott went out and won a football game. Yeah, It wasn't... They ran the ball really good. The defense played well, and Dak didn't give it up. I feel like Dak Prescott is now all of a sudden going out and winning games. So, so a couple of questions. You know, do we think? You know, I, I think we've seen Jerry Jones backing off on it a wee little bit already. There, I'm wondering if they're this injury all of a sudden is going to take a little longer for Romo to get healthy. You know, what's it mean if Dak Prescott stays in the game? What's it mean if if Jones pulls the trigger and we see a Tony Romo come back? What's it mean for Cole Beasley? Des Bryant, I don't think we meant I don't this might be more of a funny thing. <laughs> it is something to be worried about, Rick. But apparently as he's trying to get healthy, he took a big chunk out of his fingers, cut cutting up a carrot today, <laughs> making some soup. So there's something else to add to the list. Do you buy this Cowboys team? Do you what what's going to happen, Dak and Romo? Where do you see that? I think this is the most intriguing story in the league right now. Yeah, I'm buying into it, and what convinced me was just last week. I I was fully convinced. You know, of course, you know, in our predictions, I took Green Bay to beat Dallas, and that would actually perpetuate. Okay, you know, Dak's been playing good, but we need Tony come back and so forth i'll tell you what i don't think dak prescott gets benched if they bench him for tony romo i think they're making a serious mistake and this team has the best offensive line of football they can run on anybody they protect the quarterback well he has a lot of rapport with cole beasley and if des gets back Wow, I mean, he hasn't yeah. been playing. Just no. you know, a lot no, they're of doing play. all this without one of the seven or eight best wide receivers right. in the NFL. So you can't undersell that. You absolutely can't undersell that. Yeah, I mean, Jerry. I know Jerry's a, an asylumite, and he's oh, probably yeah. listening. You know, Jerry, don't bench Dak Prescott. No, no, and like I said, I think what we're probably going to see happen here is. Something we're going to get word that, you know, boy, Tony just isn't coming along <laughs> the way we thought he was going to. But right now, you're sitting at 5 and 1, and we're coming off a game where that was the first time. And look, I haven't watched every minute of every Cowboys game, but you see enough of them. That is the first time I had a feeling that if, even as well as Ezekiel Elliott ran the ball in Lambeau, Dak Prescott, as the quarterback, went out and won a football game. And I think that changed a lot of minds, and hopefully it changes the mind of Jerry Jones. Yeah, and, and they're on a bye this week. And 
I mean, the only way I could foresee them bringing Tony Romo back, okay, they have they come off the bye, they play Philadelphia. Say they even lose a close game to Philadelphia. The only way I see them pulling Prescott, their next two games are Cleveland and Pittsburgh. If he loses to Cleveland and Pittsburgh, okay, maybe I see something yeah, yeah. happening. But I don't see this team losing. You know what? And it could happen, though. Maybe not That's to Cleveland. That's possible. But, but Philadelphia, if, if Roethlisberger's back, to, I can't. Is that game at Pittsburgh? I'm it's thinking at it Pittsburgh, is. Pittsburgh, yeah. I could see you losing that game. What I wonder if it, if we're going to see is, let's be honest, Dak Prescott's still a rookie quarterback. He hasn't had that rookie moment. He had that one bad pass where he finally threw the first interception there last week. But look, that happens to anybody. Everybody throws terrible interceptions from time to time. He hasn't had that rookie game. He hasn't had a defense confuse him yet. And if you're talking about guys who never have that happen in their rookie years or even in their early year or two, now you're talking about Tom Brady level. I'm not ready to annoy Dak Prescott is that. I think he's going to have a stretch or have a game. Well, the real question is going to be what happens then, and that that'd be my concern. Yeah, and I mean, I see the stretch. If it's going to happen, it's probably going to be at Pittsburgh, then Baltimore, Washington, at Minnesota, then the Giants. You could get into a shootout with New York, plus as an NFC East. Yeah, he could have them somewhere along the line, but. You know, do you yank him because he has a rookie game if they're seven and one? My fear would be they're gonna. I don't think they right. should, but my fear would be they're gonna. It's very Look, possible. We, t- we talked about in the debate what Tony Tony Romo's record is once he gets a team to the playoffs, and right. that that would be my biggest fear, quite frankly. Exactly. All right, the last guy I want to talk about. We got about three or four minutes left here. Rick is C.J. Anderson. This is a guy I, I moved in a league or two. I've held on to in a couple of leagues. I'm worried about the amount of – you know, I don't want to say the amount of work because I was surprised by when I look up Devontae Booker's numbers, right? And I feel like the thought was, boy, he's getting more and more and cutting into C.J. Anderson's carries. Take a stab at how many carries Booker had last Thursday against San Diego, Rick. Mm, eight. Five. Week before against the Falcons, six. Week before that against the Buccaneers, seven. So he's not like he's getting a ton of work, but he's on the field a lot more. C.J. Anderson has been struggling. Trevor Simeon, we're starting to see some chinks in his armor that we haven't seen in Dak Prescott. A lot of fear of Booker cutting more and more into this workload and turning into the Ronnie Hillman with C.J. Anderson. Where are you at on C.J.A.? I tell you what, in the our league of consequence, he was tossed around in trade deals. I want no part of this guy, and that's just me. I'm not trusting that Denver run game. I mean, he has. You look at his his um, fantasy points. He had the the almost thirty point performance in week one. He's gone eighteen in week two, and as it was against Indianapolis, five, twelve. 9 11. And I mean, the 12 point was against Tampa Bay. The 11 was against San Diego. Not the most stellar defenses. I'm not, I don't want, he hasn't had a 100 yard game rushing yet. So, I mean, I, I want no part of C.J. Anderson, quite frankly. Yeah. Oh, as I just slapped my microphone right off the stand. I got we all appreciate way that. Way too excited there. 
Yeah, Rick, I'm I'm just flat nervous. You know, I, I can't put it any better, can't put it any worse. I'm just I'm getting nervous about what I'm seeing out of out of Anderson. As the production dips, you have to give a guy like Booker more work. Like I said, I am stunned to look at what I don't have in front of me is the percentage of plays. Booker's been on the field versus Anderson. It's felt like it's more and more. Maybe that's not necessarily the case, but his carry numbers are so low. His yards per carry only 4.7. You know, certainly doesn't blow you away. He hasn't gotten the end zone. Only has eight catches for the year, six in the last two games. Booker has done nothing to take much work away from Anderson. No. My fear is maybe neither one of them are worth a whole lot of anything. Sort of what we saw with him and Hillman for the better part of last year before Anderson got it rolling late in the year and in the playoffs that got me and a lot of other people excited about him going. And then he had two good weeks to start the season. And we thought, boy, we, we hit on something here, and it, it's backed off significantly. I'm thinking neither one of these guys are worth much. And if you on name value and what he did for the first three weeks of the year can get yourself a ham sandwich and a bag of chips for him, I might be willing to make that move. Yeah, I mean, what he's done fantasy-wise for the year isn't that bad, but not for what you paid for him. His fourth round, probably. Yeah. Late third, early fourth round ADP on him. I had to. I'm thinking that's where I took him in the few leagues. I took maybe I got him as late as the fifth. In I a mean, couple. he's just ahead of Isaiah Crowell. He's right behind Theo Riddick. So I mean, this is the company you're keeping. And you know, a lot of people, the the so-called experts, had him ranked much higher than Isaiah Crowell. Frank Gore is another one he's right around with. You know, Matt Jones, we talked about the resurgence of Matt Jones. I think Matt Jones is going to catch him pretty pretty quickly. I would think so. I think as the offense continues to struggle, you're going to see more of Booker. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of value out of either one of them, to be quite honest. But, yeah, if you can move C.J. Anderson, get that bag of chips along with your ham sandwich, I might do it. Yeah, there you go. All right, right, man. Well, I am exhausted. We've talked about all your stupid uh, Western movies and all that. So I think we We should. We haven't begun to talk about classic Westerns. So thank you. You can talk, ask Harry about that. We haven't hit on that. Thank you to our brand new executive producer, Harry. (laughs) Thing is out. I just I don't know what's going on. If only we had an executive producer. If we just had a technician. Yeah, if we had somebody. Uh, yeah, we need a technician. He did bring the beer. That's we'll true. That's that. all that matters. So thanks to the Arena Sports Network. Check us out, AsylumFootball at gmail.com. Send your questions for the slant Sunday morning, 10 o'clock Eastern, AsylumFantasySports.com and Blog Talk Radio. On Twitter, at AsylumFootball. We'll be back next week on the Arena Sports Network, ArenaSportsNet.com. Until then, we'll see you. Hey, take care. You know nothing about – oh, I hate when you do that. I hate it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.